1: We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by SpannersReady.com, We Live F1, and SummersF1.co.uk, the technical side of F1. I'm your host, SpannersReady, and I'm joined tonight by Matt to Rumpets. Hello, Matt. Hey there, Spanners. How is it going today? Yeah, I'm excited. We've got a bit of a mix today. We've
2: got a mix of tech, we've got a bit of news, and a quiz. Yes, there's definitely a whiff of grape shot in the air now that the cars have been fired up and run around a track for two consecutive weeks. Lots of arguing. Yes,
1: spring is in the air f1 is back you can smell the weird mix of petrol and whatever else it is they run on now chip fat uh matt we normally leave it till the end to find out where we can find you but let's let's plug where people can find matt trumpets
2: because people want to know that well of course best in first you can find me on the twitters at matt pt55 and if you have a little extra dosh sitting about the place You could also join me on our Slack channel for Patreon. So do feel free to come up with a few, what is it, quid you call it over there?
1: Yeah, few quid. Uh, www.patreon.com and search Missed Apex Podcast. That's nice of you to plug that and not your book. But Matt, who are you rooting for this season? Because we've we've seen all the drivers out now. We've seen all the teams out. Obviously, you know I'm massive ham So I'll be cheering on our boy in the Mercedes
2: number 44. How about you? Well, you know, I, I came to the sport as a Hamilton fan. Like his his win brought me back to the sport. Uh, I'd watched in the mid-90s. So I've always got a soft spot for him. And, and I frankly think of uh, the current drivers, he's the most talented. However, I got to say, I'm hoping that Ferrari have really properly done their homework. And we'll see some honest-to-goodness inter-team racing once in the past, what is it, four years now? Five years? Yes, I'd be delighted to see the teams racing each other instead of teammates racing each other. See, I'm kind of
1: with you, but I don't think it's going to be Ferrari. I think it's going to be the Red Bull guys as well. Because I'm torn. Obviously, I want Hamilton to win for his legacy. Um, But I think the two lads at Red Bull are so exciting that if Red Bull can get up there and in the mix in the championship we're going to see kind of an ushering in of the new generation of F1. Whereas if the Ferrari boys are in there, I mean, who are we going to see win? A Vettel fifth title, Raikkonen a second title. feels like it's going backwards. For me, I'm much more excited by the Red Bull guys.
2: Well, the Red Bull guys are exciting. But honestly, after looking at testing, I'm not sure they're going to finish enough races to, to be a proper competitor.
1: So, for those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here, so you can play this with kids in the background, or in the car, or at work this week. Very excited to be joined by a guy who's the reason I haven't kept up with any tech news, because I knew I was going to get to talk to him. It's Matt Summerfield, Summers F1. Hi, Spanners. Spanners thanks man i've
3: been pity i've been moving for the last two weeks so i might be a bit off scratch myself
1: no don't say that right people will turn off no he will be the font of knowledge as always you're my tech encyclopedia i now no longer have to think for myself fair enough and uh, not from barcelona this week but very much still from formula spy autosport junior producer and host of lean angle podcast chris stevens hey how's it going Yes, going pretty good. We were also meant to be joined by Anil Palmer, who was trackside, but his internet seems to have mucked him about, uh, which is unfortunate because he had pictures with Lewis Hamilton, uh, Ricciardo, Alonso. He seemed to meet the whole crew, so hopefully we'll get him back soon. What say we do some tech, Matt? Let's
2: do some tech. Big Dirty News
1: Summers, the big dirty news is we have an eyeful of the 2017 cars. How much can you tell, from your point of view in the world, as a man in the media, what effect now the 2017 regulations are going to have on the next whole year of our F1 viewing experience?
3: Well, I think there's plenty to have been seen from what we've witnessed in Barcelona, but it's it's certainly not going to be the um, the final come Melbourne, um, the, there's plenty to to have understood from what we've we've seen in Barcelona, but um, I think we're going to have to wait for the cars to actually hit the track to understand everything. You know, we have no idea of the overtaking that that might be available to the drivers uh, come race, uh, and that that's a big part of uh, the the regulation change. You know, that were made to make these cars faster, but are we going to lose something in, 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 because of that?
1: Okay, so, yeah, yeah, everyone says that. You can't see anything. Testing means nothing. Boo-hoo. Wild speculation, please. How do you think it's going to affect Formula 1?
3: Well, it's certainly going to ramp up the speeds of the cars, that, that's for certain. You, you only have to look at the, the the testing times to appreciate just how much quicker these cars are going to be. Um, even if you compare them to last year's times, which isn't really the benchmark that the FIA set, that was against the 2015 times. Um, so, yeah, they are going to be a, a, a big leap forward in terms of the spectacle of, of the sport.
1: So uh, we'll forgive you uh, for the echo on this occasion, Summers. You've been moving house, so very good of you to take time out and just throw the mic and a laptop into a spare room. Uh, What have you been dying to get Summers on for, Trumpets?
2: Well, of course, I want to talk to him because, well, he's fun to talk to. And he talks about all sorts of interesting things. But we've seen, uh, I think, a couple of standard articles thanks to the new regulations. And I would love to get some explanation as to why they're important and what they're going to do for the team. But also to get his uh, particular insight into who has shown up with something really interesting or different.
3: Yeah, and I think the the, the thing that, we, we probably look at is the trends that that has been set by the teams and i think the one the two things that have kind of come out of these new regulations that people aren't tending to be too happy about are the shark fins and the t-wings that we've seen appear on the rear of the cars now personally i don't have a problem with the shark fins we've had them in the sport before they appeared sort of oh seven oh eight um because they uh were useful with the lower style rear wing, which is what we've now got again for for 2017. Um, And obviously they helped with the the F-duct assembly, uh, which was banned following that in 2010 so i'm not too bothered by the the aesthetic appeal of the shark fins what i am more concerned about is the fact that uh we've got these t-wings that have appeared which to me just look rather stupid um but obviously they have an aerodynamic benefit so the teams want to have have them on the cars They,
1: they look like they're about to drop off don't they chris but surely that's not the final factory production
4: well, see, this was the thing when we uh, started seeing them running, a lot of them were fluttering quite dramatically. And um, uh, Matt, I was actually just wondering, um, do, do you think there is actually you know, grounds for getting them banned at some point because of that?
3: Yeah, I would say so. Uh, it depends on how the FIA see them as a movable aerodynamic device. Um, obviously, we've got a point at the moment, uh, where some of them are flexing beyond what you would anticipate that they should do. Um, Haas is the one that I could really say is moving the most. You can see it flexing throughout the corners and that has a dramatic effect on, uh, the aero, uh, uh, that, that it's actually, uh, presenting to the rest of the rear wing. And so they have probably done it on purpose. Um, but whether that's within the letter of the law, we'll have to wait to see what the FIA have to say about that.
2: So it was interesting to me how many of the teams were actually on top of that as a development uh, versus how many of them sort of added them as an afterthought. I, I thought, for one, looking at pictures of the Williams, that it looked like that was something that um, Patty Lowe had shown up with and said, oh, guys, you're going to want to add this because it looked like they just taken a stapler and stapled theirs on. And actually, they ran a double one. They ran one up top and one down low as well. And as uh, Matt Graff says in the chat room, wouldn't T-wing flutter
1: adversely affect aero stability? Big hello to the chat room, by the way. Just catching up with all of you. Great to see so many of you in here. So, uh, Summers, would it affect the stability?
3: Um, <clears throat> not particularly. Um, it depends what they're trying to achieve with it. Firstly, just quickly going back to what Matt mentioned in how much this development phase has, uh, has come about this part the regulations actually got rewritten again in january so there was a new draft of the regulations released in january and that's when this inclusion came back into the regulations it was actually removed prior to that um and as the regulations were changed it reappeared because somebody had obviously used an older version of the regulations to rewrite this new version Um, so there's a wording inside the regulations that's changed it's article 3.15.1 if you want to be bothered to actually look at technical regulations Uh, but that's what actually allowed them to to do that so the development has only been in place since January Um, so all of the teams that have applied it in testing I found that loophole when the regulations were re-released um, so it's quite impressive that the teams obviously can still find these smaller margins uh, when a, there's a such a small change to the regulations.
2: So looking at uh, the T-wings what is it what, what do you suppose their main purpose to be relative to the shark fins?
3: okay well they're doing two slightly different things the shark fin is really um to allow the airflow to um deal with the the lowering of the rear wing so obviously in relation to where we were last year the the rear wing is now 150 millimeters lower and that means that the airflow that's coming around the
1: have you moved next to a train station or an airport
3: no that sounds like I'm a hoping.
1: propeller plane. <laughs>
3: There is a there is a plane going over the top, but it's <laughs> I can't understand why it's picking it up.
1: <laughs> because uh, it's a sound. Does it have a shark fin? Is there a T-wing instability? I,
3: I, I can't I can't see any instability in the airflow around that thing at the moment, to be honest. Otherwise it would be falling out of the sky. Well otherwise you'd be straight <laughs> out there telling him,
1: Oh no, you've got to do some more aero to get some uplift. That's exactly <laughs> how you sound. All right, mate, carry on. The plane's gone.
3: Yeah, so the the um Obviously, the rear wing's been lowered and that means that the, the, the airflow that's now supplied to the rear wing is destabilized. There's more turbulence from the airbox and the chassis itself. So the shark fin aligns this airflow. Uh, it gives it a sort of a guiding vein to follow. Um, on top of that, in, in your, it actually assists in the way that the airflow reaches the rear wing.
2: But doesn't that also, that increased surface area, make it more vulnerable to crosswinds, particularly when it is in yaw?
3: It will do, yeah. That's, I think, particularly why Mercedes decided not to run the shark fin when they presented their car in Silverstone, seen as it was a hurricane that day. Um, They presented it with the the normal-style engine cover, although we've seen three different solutions used by Mercedes in testing. So, yeah, um, it's a development that, won't go away because the regulations permit it. Um,
4: so got that then goes back to what Valtteri Bottas was saying after the first test, which was that these cars are going to be more susceptible to sort of crosswinds and, and stuff like that, particularly after he had that big spin out of turn nine during his race run.
3: Yeah, because it, as you say, the, the side force that's applied to the, to the, um, shark fin has a detrimental effect if it's overwhelmed. Um, and then that changes the way that it works in, in reaction to the rear wing. Now, the T wings that have been added to the, to the back of the shark fins in certain circumstances, not only assist the shark fin itself in realigning this sort of cross Um, aero that we're getting it also changes the way in which the upwash connects with the rear wing and the diffuser so as the rear wing and diffuser push the airflow upwards to create the downforce the airflow that's hitting the t-wing will push that down Um, it's all about realigning the airflow structures and how they connect
2: right in other words as everyone knows from uh, formula one aero 101 at the end of the day, you have to reconnect all the airflows at the back of the car in order for your downforce to really work properly.
1: And also, Evangelos uh, Eterokalitos, probably from Ooh. Greece, uh, says so. He's asking for clarification Does the fin help aerodynamically until it abruptly and emphatically does not? Yes. <laughs> so it's one of these things. So basically, that's going to make it hella unstable.
3: Yeah, but isn't that what we wanted? Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I personally wanted shorter wheelbase right. cars. The problem with these reg- regulations has allowed the, the cars to become increasingly larger, and that has negated the, the width increase of the cars.
1: Excellent. That fits with a question from P. Wright in our um, in our Slack group, who is too chicken to actually call in. He says, but why do teams opt for longer or shorter wheelbases? and Are they all starting at the same wheelbase this year? No,
3: no, no. no. The, 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 they've obviously got their own philosophies around which they built the airflow structures and the, the wheelbase is linked to that along with the suspension kinematics. But um, in terms of the 2017 aero regulations coming into, into play, the teams have lengthened the car in, or, in order to achieve uh, a better airflow structure around the car.
1: Tell you what, Matt, would this be a good time to go to some of our slack comments that were left in the live stream group?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, I was going to follow up in any event with one of them in particular because they had asked about the Sharkfin and why Mercedes put a big, large hole in the middle of theirs.
3: Well, that's a cooling um, application. Uh, Basically, it's a chimney. So instead of using exits out the rear of the side pods or the cooling louvers that you sometimes see alongside the cockpit, They've come up with this solution whereby they just evacuate the air, the the hot air that's been expelled from the power unit straight up and out of the shark fin. Um, Quite a novel solution. How that actually has an impact on the airflow around the rear wing you know, is is debatable. Um, But I'm sure all of the other teams will have been interested by that development and and might be chasing it now.
2: Excellent. And and Mercedes, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, showed up with like three different cars worth of parts, didn't they? (laughs)
3: Yeah, well, (laughs) Mercedes, uh, as we know, uh, were leading the the pack last year. And I I personally feel that they kind of gave up development at a certain point because they knew that there was no point loading more stuff on the car. Um, This year's car, uh, the first test, they came in with what I would considered to be more of a cleaner design um and then in the second test they loaded it with the sort of the the more intricate barge boards uh, the w floor at the axe head um and, and some other bits and pieces um but from how hamilton and botas have talked about those updates um they aren't completely happy um because of the way that those are complicated aero structures it might make the car a little bit more unbalanced
2: right so again it's always finding that fine line between driver comfort and the most efficient aerodynamic shape that's right yeah right um well uh heartbreak ridge had a very interesting question about power units and i know we'd all like to speak for several hours about that um he wanted to know why why is renault seemingly having more power unit issues than red bull racing if that's actually the case and he's wondering what's your opinion do you really think the t-wing will get banned and i know we sort of touched on that but do you have a personal opinion on it
3: well a personal opinion on the t-wing firstly yes i'd like to see them disappear um because they weren't a part of the original regulation set it was only a mistake that was that was brought into this redraft of the regulations so personally i'd like to see them disappear um and i'd like to see that happen based on uh, a movable aerodynamic device that clause gets used so often um and, and i think that this one really does count towards that um, especially in the case of the the ones like Haas that we've seen moving around. Um, I'm not so sure that Mercedes uh, are falling foul of that, but we'll have to wait to see. And in terms of um, the Renault power unit, uh, I think the, the problems that you've got there are that Red Bull were kind of masking their pace and I don't think that they had the same problems as, as Renault, just purely on that basis. And Renault were pushing quite hard to understand their car um so that that that's probably why we've seen those problems exacerbated
1: Cool. Just one more question, then. I think, because let's move on to aesthetics. But I want to get Chris's opinion on this as well. Sam Harper in the Slack group says, "Uh, some since hello, since aesthetics was such a big part of this rules change, do you think they'll try and kill the thumb appendage noses off for good?" Chris, did they did they look that bad? Because didn't strike me as that bad. Especially, you know, it's not so long ago that we had the twenty fourteen Caterham. These cars look great to me. I don't think it's a massive complaint.
4: The thing by comparison to that, yeah, they look fantastic, but I can, you know, still remember the high noses of the twenty eleven cars, which for me were some of the best looking cars uh Formula One has had. Um so I, I do think that yeah, um Formula One might might want to do something about that because a lot of the fans don't like it. But I I think the
2: cars in general look pretty fantastic this year. And here I thought you were going to say those are the best looking cars you'd been alive for. The joke uh-huh. is that you're really young, Chris. Pointlessly young. Summers,
1: get in on that.
3: Well, I think. <laughs> well, I, I think. I think the biggest problem with the the aesthetic over performance criteria is that you will never please everybody. Um, there's not one solution that will appease every single fan unless you spec series something. So let's say we have a specification nose design and that unfortunately then leads to, um, another problem within fa- within the fan base, people who want the car to look different from one another. So there's always going to be that, that, that problem. I'm afraid.
1: All right, Matt, let's, uh, let's wrap up the tech bit before we go to the teams, uh, finish off your, your tech queries, be they yours or listeners.
2: No, actually, this is a uh, this was an excellent query from Felix, who wanted to know about personnel changes to the teams. And I was going to throw in my favorite that I was aware of, which is I think Sauber has picked up a big chunk of Audi's former LMP1 team, along with uh, Ruth Buscom on strategy. And that might actually work out very, very well for them.
3: Yeah, they have, they've picked up quite a few people. And as you say, Audi, because the, the Audi group were using their wind tunnel, um, as part of their research. So they were known, um, to the, the Sabre team and obviously, uh, probably in the locale of the, the Swiss team. Um, and also, you know, you've got the roof buskin that's moved over from Has. Um, and Zevi, who we used to work for, Toro Rosso, is now on the pit wall for them as well. Um, so, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of people moved over to Sober since the investment came into place. All right. Yes. W- why don't we get
1: to talking about the teams then, Matt? But before we do, why don't you come and play the fantasy teams thingy with us? Matt, have you got your fantasy team ready for the Badger GP thing that Craig was going on about last week? Uh, No, not yet. Any of you guys playing summers, you've got to join in because your clout will give a social media presence.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I play every year on the Badger GP fantasy league, to be fair. So yeah, I'll, I'll be on there. I haven't decided my team yet, though.
1: Are you going to enter into our league? Of course. There's about 40 guys in there. That's uh, really good. So try and fish that out. Um, if you join the Facebook Missed Apex podcast group, and unfortunately you have to type in Missed Apex podcast on Facebook, uh, there's details in there and we'll get Patrick Green to put a post up. I don't know if you can pin posts uh, on Facebook, but definitely even post and ask in there and we'll give you the digit code that you have to put in to join the team. um uh, Matt, Why don't you lead us through the teams, I don't know, say in by power unit groupings?
2: What a brilliant and clever idea. Yes, I thought of it. An amazing way to structure Mm -hmm. the program.
1: Yes. Yes, that was good of me.
2: Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think if we're going to start talking about testing, I think we should start with Ferrari personally, because of all the teams, they seem to have made the most progress with their power unit and frankly, Ferrari as a team. Uh,
1: Yeah, I agree. And those sentiments are echoed by Baha in the chat room, who says the red choo-choo train is disappearing off into the distance.
2: Yes, well, they were fastest and they did run the most problem-free days, I think, of any team. But one interesting thing about them is they seem to have chosen a completely different aerodynamic route to Red Bull and Mercedes, particularly with regards to the suspension. And I was hoping Summers might have something to say about that.
3: Well, I don't think it's so much the suspension, Matt. Um, It's more to do with the side pod layout. It just looks... Very suspension orientated because of the way that the inlet for the suspension uh, for the sidepod is much higher, um, so that allows the the airflow a, a clean path from the suspension through to the to the sidepod inlet.
1: That's right, um, because the aero engineers prefer the side pods to be at ninety degrees, don't they, for better airflow? <laughs> even though the regulations stipulate it's a seventy-five degree angle that's required.
3: <laughs> Spanners has been reading somebody else's work again. <laughs>
1: Uh, was I right though was I right (laughs) you you were right I remember the thing that's all you can ask of me
3: (laughs) yeah no the 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 thing about the 2017 regulations is is that for aesthetic purposes the fia wanted to create these diagonal lines on the car and obviously for the design engineers they they don't want those diagonal lines they want to work around those so what most of the teams have decided to do is set the the side pod slightly further back and allow the space in front of that to be diagonal, uh, i.e. the floor and some of the um, aero appendages that you see in front of the, the side pod. And Ferrari have been particularly clever in that respect because they've obf- obfuscated their uh, side pod inlet with some fr- airflow conditioners that flank the front face of the inlet and allows an upper inlet as well. So um, it, it's quite a clever and complex um, area on the Ferrari.
2: And speaking of clever and complex, there was also the matter of that conduit piping with the uh, thermal stickers on it. And I just got to ask, it seems like no one ever quite figured out exactly what that was for. I saw lots of guesses and we sort of think it's for this. But is it possible they just put it there to keep everybody from looking some other direction instead?
3: Yeah, it's more than possible. We've seen other teams do that in the past, haven't we? And this is something that was talked about a few years ago with Red Bull because they had some uh, stickers on their floor at one point and everybody was saying that, oh, uh, they're using this as a way of cooling something else. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ferrari are gaming the system as such and, and trying to force their competitors off in other directions to try to to force some development that isn't really, really viable. Um, but yeah, it. It's a, it's an area of the regulations that allow for something that should be possible. So let's wait and see what they're, we're actually up to.
2: Right. And the other thing I'd heard rumor of is that Ferrari has a new injector, a double anchor injector that they might be introducing later on. What exactly is it? I didn't even Google it. I just wanted to lay the stage open for you. To, <laughs> well, on
3: that. to be fair, this was one of the... Um, things that i haven't heavily looked into because of the house move that i've been through um because i knew that it wasn't part of um the 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 power unit that they were going to run initially but basically i think that the problem with what we've seen is it's that this was a um one of our my italian colleagues that that put this article out and i think there might be some of the the translation error uh, the translation a bit of lost in translation as such um but effectively what is being said is that they're they're redeveloping um the tgi that we were talking about last season uh which is where a small portion of air is injected at high velocity into the combustion chamber um and it appears that ferrari have been working with their partner marl on on a new version of this
2: Ooh, that is actually kind of exciting then um so having seen ferrari what do you think? How close are they really to Mercedes, who we're still going to assume are the leader of the pack?
3: I actually think that they've made some ground, um, uh, quite quite a bit of ground, to be honest. Um, obviously, Mercedes are sandbagging a little bit. Um, they're not going to show their true pace. They have no reason to do so. They are what everybody would class to be the the, the leader of the field. But I think Ferrari really wanted to understand where they are um, and started to unleash the s 7s F- SF70H towards the end of the test.
1: Yeah, I think I agree, and I, I want to get Chris's opinion on this because I mean, I was posting last year's times, and I was looking at some of the Sky Sports articles from this time last year, and it was all about Ferrari's um, charge uh, towards the podium. And I think we've seen some patterns with the teams of who who likes to hold back, who likes to see everything that's on the table. I think famously we saw Williams before they had the Martini sponsorship go all out in testing to attract that Martini sponsorship uh you know because you don't have to adhere to all the rules can you you can you can strip all the weight off you can put illegal aero on and go hey look look how great our times are and uh, Martini won't you come sponsor us but there was a big giveaway Chris because Lewis Hamilton said no I think that Ferrari are bluffing now that tells us a lot Because they're not bluffing at the front of the field, are they? And I think the difference is Lewis Hamilton doesn't talk from the media narrative. Lewis Hamilton talks from what Lewis Hamilton sees. So from his point of view, he can see very, very clearly that the Mercedes is performing better than the Ferrari. Hence, he's saying, no, 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 I think they're bluffing. They've got more. Whereas to us, that doesn't make sense because you go, well, you can't bluff from the front, can you? So, Chris, you know, is it a bluff? What's going on? Frozen in action. all it would take is a wired piece of uh, internet, Chris. Tell me, tell me he shouldn't. Okay, well, Matt, wh- are you back? Are you back, Chris? Hey, can you hear me, nope. me now? Nope. Yeah, unfortunately, you sound terrible. Um, okay. I'm- okay, go away. Try and sort that out. See you in a little while. Matt, what do you make of my clever and insightful point?
2: Well, uh, to your clever and insightful point, I will bring up your favorite commenter on YouTube.
1: Ah, is Baha- that uh, Baha Muti excuse-
2: Amatamat? Yes. Yes, indeed. Who asks the question or makes the observation, I think Mercedes hasn't chosen a development direction. The mere fact that they've tried so many things means they're still looking for the most efficient path and ask for Summer's opinion of that.
3: No, I'd argue against that fact, Um, just purely on the basis that they are testing out various configurations for various circuit configurations. So the reason we've seen them run three different engine covers So far is based on the fact that they want to look at the difference between running, say, a Monza specification and a Monaco specification. Um, You know, there's there's a big variance in what happens at each circuit and you have to accommodate that aerodynamically. And Mercedes are very clever at understanding the differences between how that works efficiency wise um, at each given circuit.
2: Yeah, but they don't have low anymore making these choices they have the brand new allison coming in and you just wonder if there hasn't been a period of latency for mercedes that might leave them a little less certain of the best direction to pursue
3: yeah there could well be that um there's lots of clever people at mercedes though don't just bank on one person being the the overall um brilliance at any one team um obviously one person always takes the the, the plaudits, but when it comes down to it we, we're talking about a factory that has sort of five uh, sorry sorry about 800 people in it so you know that the, the chances that um they've lost their shine in a very short space of time would, wouldn't wouldn't really fit well with with the way that i would see things
1: sorry we're right. not talking about mercedes we're talking about ferrari chris our ferrari bluffing
4: well, because Ferrari last year led a few testing days and then ended up not winning a race at all. So um, the, the the thing about Ferrari this week though was that both Vettel and Raikkonen were quite obviously backing off in that final sector, uh, audibly backing off. Uh, I I think that there is definitely more in the table on the table for them. I think there is for the majority of the teams, and definitely for Mercedes. They won't even have. Put that power unit up to ninety percent, I don't think during testing
2: all right Trump, yeah. it's... i Sorry, I, I would I would agree with that, but what we don't know the the stuff we don't know is stuff we're not going to know till we see them on track in Melbourne, quite frankly, because we don't know how how much of uh, the potential Ferrari has tapped, but for me, I think the answer also has to come down to the starts, which we did see the practice starts, and with the new clutches. This is going to be quite a thing making a difference to the races and the only start I saw written about uh, that directly compared Mercedes to Ferrari said that the Ferrari launch looked a lot better. Um, is that what you saw? Did you observe any, Chris?
4: Um, well, they, did, they didn't do practice starts on the first week I was there, but of the ones I've seen um, online, um, definitely the, the Ferrari did look pretty good. The Toro Rosso as well looked um, surprisingly good, but um, see, this was something that we tried to get an answer from Mercedes on about whether they'd fixed their uh, start issues as yet. And they were kind of reluctant to
2: <laughs> say anything about it, really. We have no start issues. <laughs> I do not know what this is you speak of. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. unbelievable. And, but, absolutely. And and the other unbelievable thing is going to come down to race pace. And, and I don't know. Did if anyone did any serious analysis, because it's, it's really hard to do. But it, if I would say if Ferrari is within half a second on race pace of Mercedes, we're going to be looking at a very exciting season.
3: Yeah, I, personally, I think that that's the case because what we have to remember about Mercedes is, is they've tended to be a little poor when it comes to tactical or strategic decisions within a race. They tend to often be caught out and Ferrari can be can be saddled with that complaint as well um, which might be advantageous to Red Bull who are very good at strategy on most occasions Um, but I do think that um, that there are several peripheral things that are going to have an effect on the race side of things strategy being one of them um, tires being the other
1: all right Matt we need to move on but if you're not like P right if you're you know okay with calling in why not use the Skype app on your phone
0: Turn your phone where's your said that you would be
1: Just add spanners ready. I'll take your call. I'll talk to you. Many thanks to our patrons on patreon.com. This show is brought to you by them. Why don't you look at www.patreon.com and search Mist Apex Podcast? why not consider contributing $1 or $2 a month? There are some incentives in there. There is a Slack group for patrons. Matt, we've had a great time in there. Matt is in there. Ferret's in there. Vortex is in there. Um, the, the chat, I haven't kept up with it all the time, uh, but there's been some some amazing stuff going in, and it's a lot of fun. Summers, if only you had time to join a group like that, we definitely would have invited you. Um, but, but it's been great. There's some other perks on there as well. Um, I try not to think of it as I'm selling you incentives i'm selling you things i've been genuinely looking for ways to acknowledge and pay back the the really generous support we've had so far uh, and we could always use more so please check us out on patreon um, and see uh, see if you feel like contributing to a show like this a not-for-profit thing i'm doing just because i wanted one is a teespring mug with the mist apex logo on it and it just says it's the mist apex logo same as on twitter on one side it says wrong but first, uh, on the other side it says glory lasts forever. We're not making a penny out of that at all. I just wanted one available if anyone wanted to buy one and it means I don't have to go out and buy a hundred um, on the risk <laughs> that people will want one. So um again, uh, follow me on Twitter at Spanners Ready or at Missed Apex F1 and you'll see a tweet somewhere there about the mugs. Won't take you long to scroll down. Uh, there's no problems. Those mugs Do not break down. They will last your whole cup of tea. Unlike, uh uh-oh, the Honda mugs. I heard that they had holes in them. They leaked the tea out, Matt. It's not going well for the boys at McLaren, who frankly deserve a lot, lot better than what Honda are giving them.
2: Well, you could say that. And you could possibly observe that perhaps most of Honda's development budget went to their IndyCar engine program since <laughs> Honda won that race. And they looked pretty good and very efficient in doing so. Yeah,
1: I but I mean, add. they started it's from right in the front. They had all the advantages, right?
2: Uh, no, actually, the car that won started dead last.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, hybrid welcome. engine?
2: Uh, you're welcome. Uh, no, I would say that the problem Honda has is that fundamentally, when they started into Formula One, they chose a design that did not allow them to keep up with the other teams. And they spent the last three years optimizing it under the old regulations. When those regulations were changed, they had a choice to make. They could either throw out their old design and choose one they felt would make them competitive, or continue to optimize the path they'd already chosen, which would always leave them at best in about fifth or sixth position. And they chose to to make a clean break. The bad news for McLaren is that puts them essentially where they were when they first entered Formula One. They've done some they've done dyno testing, but from from conversations and comments on the internet, it becomes clear that almost everything they've experienced, they they didn't see a hint of in their bench testing. And and that's where they are. They've now got a lot of issues they need to sort, but happily, at least they can sort them. They're not constrained by the regulations in terms of being able to fix the engine.
4: I think uh, something, something snapped at McLaren uh, this week, and that was Fernando Alonso, who started coming out with these comments, we're ready to win, it's just Honda who aren't. The Honda engine, it's got no power, no reliability. Even uh, made, uh, you know, the joke. he was asked, are you taking turns three and nine flat? And he goes, in, in our car with the Honda engine, every corner is flat out.
1: That is and savage.
4: I can't, they, I could not believe they, that comment. It's amazing. They, they, But Honda have just backed themselves into a corner now because just coming in that that year later than everybody else with the hybrid engines they were always going to be behind and they're trying to do stuff that's going to put them ahead but it's not reliable stuff or it's just not enough they're always one step behind and frankly i think they're going to continue to be a step behind until the new engine regulations come in, in 2020
1: is it that bad summers
3: uh it's it is bad uh, unfortunately and as matt says that the biggest problem that honda have got is that they they took this size zero approach when they first came back into Formula One because they thought that that was the way that they could beat Mercedes at their own game. And unfortunately, because of the way the token system works or worked, should I say, that meant that they could never really recover. They were always on the back foot because everybody else was still developing with the token system. And it just becomes a, 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 a problem that you can never reel anybody in. So obviously with this big reset, They were hoping that they would be able to jump forward a a big degree. And and that doesn't appear to be the case again either. Uh,
1: Evangelos in the chat room says, Winter testing lap times do not show who is fastest, just who sandbags the least. Except McLaren. They are pushing. I love that. Uh, Also, he says, it's like McLaren are married to a wealthy and incompetent spouse, paying for everything but unsatisfactory in all other areas.
2: Matt well, we did. Uh, in fact, our, our guest, Anil, who sadly could not make it due to internet issues, turned up a very interesting post that came originally from F1 Technicals, purportedly from a Honda engineer, who said that um, the problems they've been experiencing and testing they think is down to an electrical issue with uh, the valve train. And he thinks they might have it sorted, but he made the larger point that the fundamental philosophy at Honda has been to do lots of testing, less testing on lots of directions rather than more concentrated testing on fewer directions. And he feels like that has been the biggest problem they faced. He thinks the engine could be competitive because they redesigned a combustion chamber and the turbocharger to be able to be competitive with Ferrari and Mercedes. He thinks the potential is there. But they haven't unlocked it because they've been pursuing so many different directions uh, developmentally at the same time. Chris.
4: What uh, kind of confuses me about McLaren as well, they've brought out the majority of the red flags we've seen throughout testing. And yet when the car isn't working, they're not going out there and racking up miles and doing all sorts of different stuff. They spent so much time in the garage when the car was functioning. I think it was that, uh, was it the penultimate day, I think it was, when, you know, McLaren was saying, there's no problem in the car. We've just got a slightly different program. They're like, why?
0: Change it. (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
4: You've got two days left. You you haven't got enough time to be running a different program like that.
1: Chris, do you think that it is as simple as they just don't have the power unit? Th- do you get the impression the rest of the team is clicking?
4: The thing is, we won't know until the power unit is sort of complete. Yeah, y- You would have to say, you know, their best results have come uh in, in, in the last couple of years in places like Hungary and in Monaco, which are very much chassis circuits. So Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's horrific. It's just such a waste at the moment. When you think of
1: all the talent that's been at McLaren for the last three years, including drivers, and they just can't do anything. It's been a completely dead space. Now contractually they were in a ten year contract, um, but Matt, I think we're hearing that they can get out after three years. I think is is what they're both tied to. I mean it's got to be thinking that it really is time to just cut your losses because they just keep turning up with cars that can't even run let alone test.
2: Well, that's really well and good but who's going to replace the 100 million dollars plus engines that Honda currently brings to McLaren?
4: The other thing as well is who's who's going to replace them? You know, as an engine supplier they're probably going to end up in the same situation that Renault ended up in in 2015 when they said so many negative things about Renault, looked around Bull, for another Bull, yeah. engine supplier, and and then <laughs> said, "Sorry, Renault, can we come back?"
1: <laughs> well, well, then in that case, um, that might you know might even threaten McLaren's place in F1 because surely they can't just keep turning up like this year after year.
4: No, but it's, McLaren have have been through you know a lot of dark days maybe not quite as dark as this but i i'm positive at some point they'll come out on the other side
2: right so i have two quick points one is if you look at their original entry to when the regulations changed they they did a fairly remarkable job honda did of sorting out the design to the extent that it was sortable given they started with a faulty premise and it's early days for this season yet If the problems, if they have the data and can identify the problems, assuming the design is fundamentally sound, which is by all indications, they've made the changes they need to to be able to compete on a power basis, then then it's possible that by the end of this year, you're going to start to see better results from McLaren and that going into next year, since this will be an evolution and not a revolution, that it's possible they, they could actually be properly competitive more up towards the front of the grid. Yes, that's a big if because, as we know, there's one Honda engine and one Honda team. Renault have three, Ferrari have three, and Mercedes also has three that they are running. So they don't get the same amount of data and the same amount of testing, and that really also makes it harder for them to do their job. And the last thing I want to point out, and it's a small thing, but it came from that very same Alonso press conference, he said that, unlike last year, we are now able to fully deploy ERS down the strait. That had plagued them for three years, is no longer an issue, apparently. And going forward, I see that as a small silver lining that Honda have fundamentally got something right about what they're trying to do. They just haven't worked out the bugs yet. Summers.
3: Yeah, I'd pretty much fall in line with that, Matt. And <clears throat> from what I understand there might be another Honda-powered team next season anyway. Um, Ooh, who's brave enough to do that, Summers? Uh, well, who who on the grid um, has lacked funding over several years and now has a new investor um, it would make sense to to make a move away from Ferrari, seeing as they're powered by a 2016 power unit this year rather than a 2017-powered unit this year?
5: Oh,
1: my goodness, Summers. Can you tell people in your house to stop going about their business in a perfectly reasonable fashion? Uh, <laughs> We've got some questions from the chat room, Matt. Is that what you were about to point to?
2: No, I was going to make the suggestion that perhaps that was the sound of someone launching themselves into the sea over there.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Blackout19 is saying, the rumoured story is they can't turn the engines up because the vibrations are so bad it causes electrical problems to manifest. And if I go over to the Slack group, uh, P. Wright uh, echoes that by saying, I was wondering if these vibrations on the Honda could be that the split turbo shaft that Mercedes-Ace the first time isn't quite working out for them. I think, was there questions in that? Or are you just going to nod? Everyone was right. You were all right. Everyone that made a comment is clever and interesting. Darren Johnson in the chat room agrees with Ron Dennis in that a customer team will not win against a manufacturer, and there's some wonder whether they could ever produce their own engine. Although, I don't think, apparently that they make their road car engines themselves, according to the chatroom person, that I cannot find at the moment. Who said that? Who said that brilliantly insightful thing? Let's just credit Chris Stevens. Okay, Chris, speaking of you, let's talk about you at Chris underscore journo.
4: No, see Stevens underscore Jano. Now,
1: before we hung up our Skype call, but after we stopped recording last week, you were grinning like a cheshire cat. Are you, Mister Autosport Junior, able to talk to us about what you're going to be up to this season? I, for one, am thrilled.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, basically, we, we were uh, announced this week that I shall be the uh, correspondent for the 750 Motor Club for Autosport. So it's big national reporting um gig. It's a fantastic collection of um series. It's club racing. Um so you know, anybody can come in really with a race license, uh and and in partake in some fantastic and cost effective and competitive race series. And I'm really looking forward to to getting involved.
1: And it's a great sort of cutting ground. I mean, what will you be doing? Reporting,
4: commentating? Uh, Reporting, yeah, for the magazine.
1: Excellent. So, I mean, that sounds like absolute perfection because, you know, it's not a, a big pressure audience, yet you get all the fun of reporting on a variety of very competitive and very, um you know, those things you, you you think you don't expect anything. You turn up to them, but then you spend the day there and you just go, I've just had the most amazing time. Why don't I go and watch this stuff all the time?
4: Yeah. That that is exactly what it's going to be like, and, um, you know, I mean, I've I've done Formula e reporting from the paddock. I've now done Formula One reporting from the paddock, but Ooh. in these little grassroots—I know hey, a humble brag—but in these <laughs> in these grassroots motorsports, that's where you really hone your skills. And so that's really going to be sort of my objective, um, for this season. So yeah, I'm I'm massively looking forward to it.
1: Okay, and Twitter's where you put your things that you're doing. Yeah, all of them. All of them on at C Stevens underscore jano. Follow Chris Stevens. Honestly, do it. Because I've got an annoying feeling that you're destined for good things, Chris.
4: Oh, well, actually, I I say all of them on Twitter. If you want to find the 750 stuff, it means you're going to have to buy a copy of Autosport Magazine.
1: Hang on. I get confused whether they are a competitor of motorsport.com, whether they're all in bed together. Let's not delve. Let's not go down that route, shall we? (laughs) Let's really not. (laughs) Seeing as we've got opposing forces, the dark and the light on the panel today. Uh, Matt, we've got about five, ten minutes before we want to go on to our quiz. Let's focus on Mercedes, the championship
2: leaders. Okay, then. Sorry, last year's championship winners. All right. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things to talk about with Mercedes, but. I have chosen to talk about their exhaust because it's caused some issues for some customer teams. Now, we didn't talk about the Haas and the Sauber customer teams of Ferrari all that much. But this is having a major impact on Force India. And I'm hoping Summers can shed a little bit of light on that for us.
3: Well, the exhaust is one of those things that isn't supplied by the the, the power unit supplier itself, um, so that's something that the teams outsource and Obviously, if they receive a different specification for some reason from um, Mercedes HPP um, that doesn't align with what their manufacturers are able to 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 provide, then you get these kind of um, issues and Unfortunately, it seems to have uh cast a, a bit of a problem on on Force India.
2: Right. And just to be clear, it has to do with how the rear wing, yes, Mm -hmm. is run up from behind the airbox or shark fin. It runs through the exhaust or is attached to the exhaust?
3: Well, let's remember that none of the mercedes powered teams, aside from Manor, actually adopted that solution last season. So all of the Ferrari and Renault-powered teams had sort of moved across to this solution because Toro Rosso bought it in at the end of 2015, uh, 2014. Um, and it was copied by, sorry, 2015. And lots of teams adopted it in 2016. Um, but there was only one Mercedes-powered team that decided to, to take that action. Now, what that means is is that the the rear wing pylon or pillar intersects the exhaust. So it goes through the exhaust. And obviously, this is the problem that uh, Force India had with with that particular development.
2: Right. Now, I did read, I think they they are hoping to have that sorted for Australia. Um, But I think Williams did not suffer these same issues because they did their own design. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's right. So as I say, all of the teams are allowed to to provide the the last section of the exhaust, so from the turbine to the to, to the outlet as such. Um, so you get these varying sizes, diameters, uh, shapes inside that can influence the exhaust plume as such so that it can be driven in a different way when it exits the rear of the car and can influence the aerodynamics. So this idea that Toro Rosso came up with to put the pillar through actually straightens the plume. It changes the direction of the plume as it exits. And that's why a lot of the teams have been adopting it, because it can have an aerodynamic benefit.
2: Oh, well, that's rather clever of them. So Mercedes still at the front. Um, How is Williams doing, aside from occasionally having their younger driver put it in the wall? (laughs) (laughs)
1: hey hang on credit credit where it's due he did a solid four days this week didn't he
2: he absolutely did and i did use the word occasionally so (laughs) there you go it
3: it is a big learning curve though we have to remember because we're we're comparing him to verstappen and everybody's saying how much more difficult these cars are to drive so you're putting stroll in a car that uh, hasn't driven a, a car of this Supposed aggressiveness before, so I, I think it might be a slightly unfair comparison for him.
1: No, um, he hit the wall, that's it. We get to judge him until he wins a race.
3: Might be waiting a while for that if you're driving for Williams, unfortunately. Um, you don't, think, yeah, but it goes, well, I think it they're goes, going
1: to be a solid fourth, aren't they? Fourth, fifth.
3: Yeah, but this is the problem. They're in that midfield cluster. So you, you, you're going to have to take results away from the Force Indies of this world, um, which the, the realistically, they're direct opposition. You cannot put them in the same bracket as the works teams of Ferrari, um, Mercedes. And I know they're not a works team, but they may as well be Red Bull.
2: Yeah, but I was curious if you think that the change to the construction of the tires has not given Williams back something that was really a problem for them in the previous seasons, which is their ability to run the tires. And and particularly for Massa, it seems like this new tire construction and this new formula with the extra downforce has helped him out rather a lot.
3: Yeah, I was having this discussion with a friend the other day, and in, in as much as that I feel that Kimi and Massa are really going to have a, a much better year of it this year. You have to remember how good they were in 07 08. And I can see Spanners <sighs> is laughing at that, but there were much better drivers back then. And that is purely because of the way that the cars operated. So we're, we're back sort of in that realm now. We've got hard wearing, hard tyres that, that don't degrade rapidly. Um, and we've got a lot more downforce and it suits their driving style. So for me, I think we might see that those two sort of head back up the grid a little.
2: Yeah, and we also let's not forget now have Paddy Lowe with a head full of Mercedes knowledge running the show.
3: Yeah, so yeah, P- Paddy's going to be a massive coup for for Williams in terms of their their operation. Um, but it is going to take time to to make adjustments. They've also uh, stolen Dirk De Beer from Ferrari. Um, he moved with Allison. To Ferrari from Lotus back in the day and he's now moved to Williams in he's he's head of head of aero as well so that's another big signing for Williams
1: all right boys I think it's time to put our reputations on this on the stake it's time to stake our reputations it's time to put our reputations on the line because some as you're an expert obviously people won't remember in a year's time don't worry about it your reputation's not really on the line let's find out who you think is going to do well now. From what you've been given on the testing, the wild speculation, let's get your running order one to five first off, uh, and maybe the back markers as well. But that would be cheating to let you go first. Let's let Chris Stevens make a complete fool of himself.
5: <laughs>
4: okay. Um, obviously, we're going to go with Mercedes up top. I think uh, Red Bull will wait, be close. Wait wait, 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 wait. Ju- By how much? Um, ah. Ah, now that's a very interesting question and yeah. one that I wish you hadn't come to me first for. Um, okay, let's I'll go, go first.
1: It, I'll go first. Mercedes um, in Q3 in Australia, 0.7 seconds ahead of the next team.
4: See, I don't think it'll be that much. I think it'll be more, maybe half. It could be even less than half a second, actually, perhaps, maybe, possibly. Are you Who just going to list uh,
1: all the possible denominations and fractions I, of a second?
4: Yes, yes. Let's go with that. Um, like I say, I think Rebel will be the closest challengers, followed very closely by Ferrari. Yeah, I agree. And quite, quite the gap, I think, um, beyond that to, let's, so, uh, Williams, I think will hold that fourth place, um, and then Renault and Force India. Bottom two? Uh, actually, I, actually, I think Haas will be, um, I think Haas could be, uh, ahead of F- Force India and, uh, maybe going for that position of fifth or sixth best. Team, um, okay, At Toro Rosso as well. Bottom um, two, then bottom two, Chris. Bottom two, Sauber and McLaren. Which which order, Chris? <laughs> um, I think for the first race, McLaren will be the last. Sadly,
1: sadly, I agree. Um, Matt, I think you've got a different top three to us.
2: Oh, right. Yeah, Matt, 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 but Matt, Matt to Rumpets. That's you because you
1: play a trumpet and claim it's a real job. It's not a real job, Matt. It's blowing through a brass pipe badly and easily.
4: I didn't know that your last name wasn't actually Trumpets (laughs) until I saw you on
1: Facebook. I absolutely love that. No, 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 no. He plays the easiest. What's easier, trumpet or bass guitar? I think it's actually along ethnic lines. For a white guy, easiest to play trumpets.
2: Uh, bass guitar by far. You want the joke? I'll tell you the joke. <laughs> you don't want the bass guitar joke. It probably takes more than 10 seconds. All right. I'll save that for later. I'll save it for the end of the show. You want to hear the bass guitar joke? Listen to the end of the show.
1: Let's right. hear so, from go on then. Oh, no, we haven't heard your order yet.
2: <laughs> is this Australia? We're talking about a whole season. Uh, both, not the same. Pick one. Australia. This is a first rule, Chris. Make him answer a question. Okay. Learn I'll that one in mind. A- Observe and learn. Yes. Okay. Uh, for Australia, I will put Mercedes first. Ferrari, but close. Red Bull
1: will be third. Okay. What's the gap But from the first Mercedes to the next team?
2: Qualifying a race. Qualifying Q3. 0.325.
1: <laughs> Ridiculously specific. And the back two.
2: Uh I, I'm gonna have to put um well, I mean they don't score points, so you're just talking about finishing order then? Yeah. Mm since I'm not convinced either McLaren will finish, I'll have to put them last. But if their engine holds out, I would I would put Sauber last and then ahead.
1: Fair enough. Summers, tell us what's really going to happen with your expert eye. I know you cringe every time I call you an expert, but just suck it up, son. <laughs> you're an expert. If not, why are you the assistant technical editor at motorsport.com? I don't know. Um, I don't know.
3: (laughs) Right. Mercedes. um, Followed by Ferrari. How far? Followed by... What's the gap? Three tenths.
1: Oh, really? Oh, man. I'm so... I hate being this far away from the summer's opinion. Damn. Okay, carry on. (laughs)
3: Uh, Followed very closely by Red Bull. I think they're sort of four to five tenths away from Mercedes. Um, and then the back of the grid—is that where we're heading next? Yes. Um, McLaren, if they can get a car to the end in front of Sauber,
1: that's quite that's quite interesting. And everyone's really, really optimistic about Haas and Renault. Am I wrong, Summers, in just feeling that bit of doubt that they can really make that step to the front of the midfield?
3: Well, I can't see them towards the front of the midfield. They're, they're sort of towards the tailing end of the midfield. So you're you sort of in front of your McLarens and your Sabres, um, not by much. And I think Renault will usurp um, Haas, unfortunately, for some of the American fans out there.
1: If their brakes can hold up. Trumpets?
2: Yeah, well, this is because the reason I asked about the season was exactly this. I see Renault and Renault-powered cars having early season reliability issues that keep them from fulfilling their potential. And I see that is a good time to put money on Haas in particular, as the 2017 Ferrari unit seems to be very, very good. But as the season progresses, and particularly if Renault's able to iron out its ERS issues, which is what plagued it most at testing, then they they were looking pretty good when they were they were working. Excellent. I feel like you've all put
1: your credibility on the line. And joining us on the line is Patreon and supporter, uh, frequent interactor with Missed Apex podcast. Uh, welcome to the call, Darren Johnson. You have to Hi un-
5: just ah. forgot to unmute my microphone on like step one.
1: Okay, that's Summer's favorite trick. He's already bagsied that trick. That can't be your thing. That's already his thing.
5: I'll just have to go for something else.
1: <laughs> Excellent, uh, Darren. Uh, how did you find yourself agreeing with my panel of experts about the running order? Uh, for next season, particularly let's say Q3 and the race in Australia, who's your top three?
5: Broadly, yeah, I mean Mercedes have got to be the got to be the favourites, and particularly Hamilton. But um, I yeah, think yes. that at the moment, McLaren are definitely sandbagging, and possibly with a couple of tons of sand.
1: So I mean, if imagine if McLaren were sandbagging, it would be the greatest uh, sandbagging in F1 history. It would be what's that film with uh, Marcus Sose? What's that one? What's that called? The usual suspects, yep. it would be like that as they walk away to the podium at the end, limping. Instead of limping, they stroll to the podium. Uh, you are, however, a McLaren fan, aren't you?
5: I am a bit of a fan, yeah.
1: Are you, I mean, are you on suicide watch? Uh, are, they, are you surrounded by people you love?
5: <laughs> there are nurses uh, close by. <laughs>
1: Okay, so yeah, one last question I like to ask um, guests this, and, and don't think this is going to affect the scoring in the quiz in, in any way. I I've got no real motivation for asking you this. Um, just out of interest, do you think the 2016 championship was rigged?
5: What do you mean? Because Bernie uh, noted that all of the German audience figures were going down, so he wanted a German team to win the 2016 championship, and possibly with a German driver, just so that they upped the figures in Germany? Possibly.
1: And do you think that Nico Rosberg is a
5: worthy world champion? Uh, He runs in the family. You know, his dad was world champion, so why shouldn't he be?
1: Dear, I hope that doesn't affect the points on the quiz. Let's go to that right now. Okay, round one. First up on my list of people to answer quiz questions is Matthew Summerfield. (laughs) And this isn't because you're from the same region. Oh man, I've given it away. Who won the first race of the 1994 season at Adelaide? Oh, Nigel Mansell. Oh no, you've only got it right. Oh, I gave it away. Uh yes, the theme for this week, by the way, is nineties Formula One. Now that should suit you, Summers. You're about the same age as me. What nineteen eighty? Eighty one. Nineteen eighty one. Darren, you no offense, sir. You look like you've got a year or two on me.
5: I've got a little bit of a decade on you. I'm over forty.
1: Over forty. Obviously Trump. Trumpets remembers um, you know, the days of uh you know, no helmets and stuff like that. So you you might struggle a little bit. And Chris Stevens was born somewhere in 2005. Uh, so question two goes to you, Darren. In fact, what place did Jack Villeneuve finish his first race in 1996? Fourth. He finished second. And uh, we there can be no leeway because of earlier answers you gave. Uh, three, let's go to Matt. How was the 1990 Drivers' Championship decided? Mm.
2: By points. True. Yes, it
1: was. You get half a point for that. It was a collision between Senna and Prost at the first corner. And number four goes to Chris Stevens. The Minardi's highest ever qualifying position came at Phoenix in 1990. Which place was it?
4: By the way, I wasn't born in this century. Just putting that out there. Um, What was the question again? Sorry. (laughs) No points. No points at all. Yeah. uh, uh,
1: uh, Was it um, fifth? No, they finished second. You get no points. And I really can't see you doing any better than that Uh, this evening. Question to everyone. Which year was 10 points for victory instead of only nine introduced? Summers? 88. Darren? 93. Matt? 91. Chris?
4: 90. Yeah, Matt
1: gets it. 1991. You're welcome. Summers? Summers? Why did, by the way, all the quiz questions are from Catman F1, so you can blame him for this. Why did Nigel Mansell not win the 1991 Canadian Grand Prix?
3: Um, Canadian Grand Prix, 91. Um,
2: (laughs) fit in the cockpit.
3: (laughs) What? (laughs) Couldn't fit in the cockpit, (laughs) that. That was considerably
2: later on. Sorry. Um,
3: I, I can't remember. Spanish.
1: He was waving to the crowd on his last lap and stalled the engine. I, I would have thought you'd have a poster on that uh, in your room too. Okay, so let's go to Darren. True or false, Michael Schumacher got his first debut because Jordan's regular driver, Bernard Gachon, was sent to prison.
5: He was. He was Bertrand Gachon was sent to prison for macing a taxi driver in London.
1: I love that story. He was convicted of spraying CS gas at this taxi driver in London. You get a point. That's good news. Let's go to Matt. Who was fired from Ferrari before the last Grand Prix in 1991 after describing the car as a truck? Oh,
2: Oh, come on. Even I know this one. (laughs) Well, fine. You answer it then. No,
4: no. It's your question. Um, And plus, I would look like an absolute idiot if I ended up getting it wrong. Chris Stevens, answer it immediately. I want to take that chance. Answer. There now.
2: you go. Done. I have phoned a friend. It's do, you.
4: No, 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 no.
2: Say
1: your uh, name, Stevens, or I'm hanging up.
4: Alan Prost. Alan
2: Prost. Yes, you get a point for
1: Matt. Very, very generous. Chris, your question. <laughs> How many uh, out of 16 races did Nigel Mansell not take pole in 1992? Is
3: this for me?
1: No, Chris Stevens, the name I said. Say,
3: it's oh, a bit, sorry. Say it's a Mansell question? <laughs> Everyone was thrown by that.
1: No, go on, Chris. You have a go.
4: No, sorry. I didn't hear the question
1: because I didn't think it was
4: for me. Sorry.
1: How many out of 16 races did Nigel Mansell not take pole position in 1992? Well, at least those playing at home on their commute got a little extra minute to answer the question.
4: <laughs> That's very true. You're welcome, listener. Um, Was it I don't know, two? It was two. Canada and
1: Hungary. Nice. W-A-G for you. That's wild mm, guess for anyone who doesn't <laughs> know. True or false summers? Perry McCarthy, the original Stig from Top Gear, only managed to score two points in his F1 career. True. It's false. He drove for the abysmal Andrea Moda team in 1992 and never even qualified for a race. So far, by the way, Matt is winning with two. That's a Chris-assisted two. Darren, true or false? The first safety car in Formula One was a Ford Escort Cosworth.
5: False. You You don't fancy the Cosworth as a safety car? It wasn't a Cosworth. It was... No, it wasn't.
1: Well, controversial. I have to accept the answer from Catman, who says it was true in 1992. Should we put that in for a steward's inquiry, though? Which means the result of the quiz might not be settled for another week.
5: I'm sure it wasn't.
1: But yeah, I'm sure Catman's right. No, no. We'll pick Catman. If that's wrong, don't ever darken my doorstep with a quiz ever again. Only kidding. I love your quizzes. Thank you for doing the quizzes. Uh, Okay, let's go to Matt. Yes. Who has more race wins, Mika Hakkinen or Damon Hill? The Ooh. answer may shock you.
2: Ooh, that's an interesting one. But, 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 but. I'm going to sit here and stall till YouTube can give me the answer. Come on, guys. I'm, what is this? Are we the, not there, there yet? There is deliberately a 20-second lag, Come so on, the chat, chat room, room cannot
1: help. Come on.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, if I have to choose one, I'll choose Hakkinen because I like him better as a driver.
1: It was Damon Hill, 22, uh, but Hakkinen had 20. And I think you're right. Hakkinen, on balance, was probably the better driver. Chris Stevens, who took victory in the only Grand Prix ever to run at Donington? It was 1993, if that helps. It was Raymond. Oh, Senna. yeah. Really?
4: 1993 helped? Like, helped Chris Stevens? Ah, oh. no, no. Could- I was trying to remember. Like, hang on, there, were, <laughs> uh, there was a Grand Prix in '93 at Donington, and it was just, it was a, a lag. I'll blame lag for that one.
1: Fair enough. And as we go to the halfway point of the Chris uh, of the Chris of the quiz, Chris and Matt are actually winning the quiz. Darren, please, please don't let Chris Stevens win this quiz. Buck it up!
5: I can't believe you didn't remember Donington '93 in the wet center. The first couple of laps.
1: He was minus four years old. Um, Summers, yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> Summers, let's take a little bit of a break from the quiz for a second. Uh, I just want to I- express my gratitude. We cannot believe we have somebody uh, as high profile as you gracing us with your tech. So f- first of all, thank you very much for continuing to keep, keep coming on on Miss Apex.
3: It's not a problem, Spanners. Not at all.
1: You love it. Is it because I of do. me personally?
3: It, it's your lovely shiny face.
1: Yes. In fact, my wife even said I should put some, what, the blush on to stop the thing? Like, for a YouTube live stream? No, I don't think I'll bother. Summers, where can people go to find your work?
3: They can visit me at Twitter, which Summers F one which is spelled S-O-M-E-R-S-F1. Or, obviously, my work over on motorsport.com with Giorgio Piola.
1: I think it is definitely worth saying it's not summer as in, like, oh, a beautiful summer's day. It's S-O-M-E-R-S.
2: Trumpets. It what I just... I don't know if you notice, but there was this thing with this uh, correspondent for BBC and the kids coming into his office. Yes, I love that. And I just want to point out that we here at Miss Apex Podcast live stream pioneered that with <laughs> my cat. They totally
1: ripped it off, didn't they? They 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 completely they ripped completely it off, completely ripped us off. Yes, and shame on everybody who said and assumed that that lady was a nanny and not his wife. Tisk In- tisk, Darren Johnson. You have a presence on the internet on social media. Why not point people to where you hang out?
5: I have a very small social media presence, but if anybody wants to look at my stuff, it's um, Twitter at Wongo the Insane. Because for some reason, Wongo the Insane was taken.
1: Because It's from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and it's amazing. Do follow Darren, he says insightful things at times. I've seen them, however, you annoyingly have a different name across all your social media platforms, which does make you hard to track.
5: That's because uh, I started off with Wonga the Sane, then it was Wonga the Insane, and then I'm Lakes Boy on the 406 Coupe forum and also on the Slack group because because you're just, a Cumbria, interesting
1: because you're a Cumbria lad, a Lake District boy
5: absolutely yeah
1: i've been forced up and down those hills is um is keswick still going as a town is it still around i
5: actually work in keswick three three four days a week is there still the loft nightclub in the center of town Oh crikey yeah <laughs> i yeah, tell if you you're, if you're any older than that it's starlights as well oh dear oh dear
1: no not old enough for starlights anyway uh let's go on to round two of the quiz uh number one summer's Mercedes have been absent since, had been absent since 1955, but returned to the sport in 1994 as an engine supplier to which team? Sober. Well done, solid point. Darren, John Alesey took his only victory in F1 at which circuit? Wow,
5: only one. That stuns me. Circuit? Um Monaco.
1: The answer is, unfortunately, Montreal in 1995. See, I remember as a kid, John Alacy being one of the the heroes of F1. I'm stunned to hear that he only actually won one race, trumpets. Who replaced Ayrton Senna in the Monaco Grand Prix in 1994?
2: Sorry, did you say something to me?
1: Yes. Who replaced Ayrton Senna in the Monaco Grand Prix in 1994?
4: (laughs) I could maybe help give Matt another point here.
2: R- why are me, you contributing to
4: Matt's points? Okay, fine. You well, answer for Matt. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. No, go ahead. unless
4: you go ahead. Go- and can I keep the point this time?
1: Nope, because no. I don't like you.
4: We're we're at this point, we're equal.
1: No, I'll split it with you. The only reason I'll... you're on this show is because I'll... of your future potential and the fact that you might feel indebted to me in any way at all. I don't like you enough to make you win that's... a quiz. It's not going to happen.
4: That's quite true. David Coulthard incorrect no,
1: incorrect it. it was no one they only ran one car for the monaco really? gp and then they brought david Kilthard in um after oh, that
4: right. yeah interesting. oh i should have remembered that because his first race was spain because he talks about it in his book that's right yeah. and he says he, he came on the radio and said now which way do i turn out of the garage <laughs>
1: Yeah, you should have remembered that. Minus one point. Chris Stevens, make up that point by which tobacco sponsor replaced Camel at Benetton for the 1994 season? Oh, I'd have got that. Even I'd have got that.
4: Oh. See, we're not even, we're, we're not allowed cigarette sponsors anymore, so there's no reason why I should know this. Um, in fact, in you've, 94- you've delayed too far, and I'm going to give Darren the opportunity for a bonus point.
5: Was it mild seven?
1: Yes, it was. There you go. You've caught up. Everybody is on two points. Summers, how many points separated Schumacher and Hill at the end of the 1994 season after the controversial clash at Adelaide? It's not controversial. He just took him out.
3: You know, this is one of the questions that you should always know as a Formula One fan, but (laughs) I don't. So I'm going to say a point. It was,
1: it was a single point. And because I remember we were all sat there doing the maths as Damon Hill pulled into the garage and they were all looking at the wishbone and, and they were like talking about, could they send him out? And they were like, no responsible mechanic would send Damon Hill out, but I'm like 14 or 13, in fact. And I was going, no, just send him out, please, please. Why can't justice be done? But it wasn't. Darren, which driver was set on fire in a dramatic pit lane fireball in the 1994 German Grand Prix?
5: That was Jos Verstappen, father to Max, in a Benetton.
1: I had that poster in my room for a year. It was spectacular, wasn't it?
5: It was a fantastic fireball, wasn't it? I mean, thankfully nobody injured, but what a what a shot. Oh yeah, of course. If someone had been
1: hurt, we'd have to you know be talking in grave tones. But since no one was hurt, we can just go, that was so cool. Unbelievable. It would still
5: be impressive, but yeah.
1: Trumpets, which season saw the last V12 engine used in Formula One? And for a bonus point, which team?
2: V12, probably Ferrari, and season, I like 91, so I go with 91.
1: 95, but I'll let you keep your bonus point. Chris Stevens, in 1995, at which track did Mika Hakkinen have a massive crash requiring life-saving emergency surgery?
4: Was it Adelaide? It was Adelaide, which brings no, us... When it became known as the Flying Finn. <laughs> Which brings us excitingly
1: to a three-way tiebreaker. Coming in fourth, the McLaren of this week's proceedings is Matthew Summerfield. Disappointing from a so-called expert.
3: Yeah, but you're only asking questions about people. I only concentrate on cars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why? Do you... Good point.
1: Wow, you're such a tech robot. Is that what your baseline programming told you to do? Ignore all humans. Let's go to a tiebreaker then between Darren. Matt and Chris, the closest one will win. Um, I really hope that somebody gets it out right because I'm not sure I've got a, a backup question. How many drivers finished the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix? And let's, uh, Four. let's go in age order. Oh, okay. There we go. Four. Uh, Matt, you? Me? Yeah. How many? Yeah. Seven. Seven. Not bad. I see what you've done there. You've gone significantly higher. Uh, well, um, You'd have to think it's low by the nature of the question, Darren. What say you?
5: I was going to say six, which is awkward because Matt said seven, but I'm still going to stick with six. I think everybody got a point that you.
1: you. Are you sure you want to go with six? I mean, to me, that seems... I mean, I'll give you a chance to change your answer. I'm thinking
5: I'm thinking maybe maybe that was the year where five possibly finished, or even three.
1: Three? Two. three. Yeah. Uh, that's the final answer I'm going to accept from you. <laughs> Congratulations, Darren, with that unbelievable that, uh, that our guest should come on and defeat the likes of Chris Stevens, who was poised to win that, unfortunately, till the very
4: last second. Better luck next time, Chris. Sorry, I, the reason I was silent there is because I was in the middle of a quick Google search on that one, because I refused to believe that there was three finishes in that. And what did your Google search say? And, do you know, I, I, this might need to go to a stewards inquiry. Go on then. Because I have here the, the list Panis, Coulthard, Herbert, Frentzen, a lap down, but finished.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. And that is because, yes, they might be classified. Is there a difference between finishing the race and classified? Let's get into the mind of. Um... Uh, it's,
4: after that, it's all uh, not classified. You're only not classified if you fail to finish 97% of the Grand Prix distance.
1: See, Catman said finished, so I'm going to choose Catman over you because I like him significantly more. But it was only plus one lap,
5: and there's also a significant uh, stewards inquiry on the the uh, whether it was an Escort Cosworth that was the first safety car because no, my mates texted me and said it was a Porsche.
1: Oh, Catman, you've got a lot to answer for here. But on the Damn day, God. the winner is declared as Darren Johnson. I hope you had a, a good time Damn on it. your first uh, appearance on Miss Apex Podcast.
5: Fantastic! Thank you very much. Oh, no, you no, know, it's been thank you for the uh, for the technical support. Trying to get here uh, that has been a few days of, uh, of trying to sort equipment, computer equipment out. But um, yeah, it's been lovely, brilliant. Thanks.
1: Well, I've spent three years trying to get Matt up to speed. I could spend a day on you, Darren. It's uh, absolutely no problem. Hey, guys, I'm assuming that if you're listening this far into the podcast and you've put up with all the waffle on the quiz there, that you quite like us. So please make sure you're subscribed. Don't rely on finding my posts on social media um, or at com to play it from the player in there. Go to iTunes if you're an Apple person, click subscribe. If you're an Android person, why not go to your podcatcher of choice and also subscribe to us there. If you're unsure on how to subscribe on Android or iTunes, why not go to at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter, and the pinned tweet will give you instructions on how to do that. Matt, what else should we plug? The live stream, perhaps? We should always plug the live stream, because that's
2: where all the fun is at, of course.
1: Sorry to the live stream for ignoring you during the quiz, but if you want to join in there, why not find the Spanners Ready channel, on YouTube and subscribe on there. And also, they should come and join in the the Facebook page. Uh, That's the first place. If I see an interesting news article, the first place I'll put it is the Missed Apex Facebook group map.
2: Yes, and that's always a good place to go to find out everything that's happening at Missed Apex. And there's a deal on your wife's book, isn't there? There is a deal, 99 cents for a duchess in name. And should you happen to be in Italy, you can buy that sucker as a real paperback too. What, with pages to turn and everything? With pages to turn and everything. Il Duca Infernale is what they've called it. Follow our friends,
1: summersf1.co.uk. Check out everything on Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsports station. If you're a weirdo that's into motorbike racing, even though they're basically ghosting past each other, check out Chris Stevens, Ryan Ferris, and who's your Scottish friend? What's his name? Is it eluding me? Lewis Duncan
4: Lewis Duncan
1: crime. of course tall drink of water he is too on Lean Angle podcast check out Tom Clancy producing Formula E shows with a Neil Palmer sometimes myself Matt Chomps, and Chris Stevens on there and until next week please remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory last forever this was Mistake Apex. fine i don't care they're going to make a claim on youtube tune core take the money i don't care have it it's worth it to have fallen to flux spanners
5: forgot comments of the week
1: yes That's when I it did sticks. unfortunately um can
2: anybody nominate one because i've been out of the chat room during the quiz evangelos winter testing lap times do not show who is fastest just who sandbags the least except mclaren they are pushing however it might also have to be our special guest, Darren. Those flags are rocket red for McLaren victory.
4: I like that one. <laughs> A double victory for Darren.
5: <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. I've really enjoyed that.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.